after making an unforgettable impression in his breakout role in the 1995 cult classic Clueless. Donald Faison built a prolific career as a film, television, stage, and voice actor. He's appeared in dozens of films, including Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington, and is best known for his nine-season stint as Dr. Christopher Turk on the Emmy-nominated series Scrubs. San Diego audiences will soon have the great fortune of watching Donald perform in the Old Globe's star-studded revival of Steve Martin's intellectual comedy, Picasso at the Lapin Agile. Today, Donald sits down with me, Michael Taylor, in Theater Corner to talk about his passions, his return to the stage, and why he's using his fame as a TV doctor for a good cause. Thank you very much, sir. Michael, thank you for having me. For taking out time. I know this is a long, grueling uh, rehearsal week. There's nothing, <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest with you, there's nothing really grueling about it. Uh, we're all having so much fun uh, that it doesn't feel like work. It feels like camp almost, you know what I mean? Uh, so we come in and we work it and, you know, we wanted to sing, so... Everybody's enjoying, I, I can't speak for everyone. I can speak for myself. I'm enjoying myself. Very good. So there's no grind. Very the good. Only, I guess you could, well, yeah, I guess you could say the grind meaning like we're grinding trying to get it right, but for the most part, there's nothing, there's nothing uh, chorish about it. Very good. Mm -hmm. Although you're best known for your work in television and film, you do have a background in theater, obviously. Your parents were active in the National Black Theater in Harlem, which is New York City's longest operating black theater company. What do you remember about first discovering your talent and passion for the performing arts? Um, I remember having to sit through a lot of plays and shows at the theater. And it got to the point where, you know, a show would be up for a few months or, you know, a few weeks. And because I didn't, my family didn't have a babysitter for me and I would have to accompany them to work every night and sit in the audience, I started reciting the lines before the <laughs> actors on stage could catch their cues. And when that happened, my mom said, well, maybe he wants to be an actor. <laughs> and I was really young, I was five. And she was right, I, you know, they put me in a play at five and I did, you know, it was called When the Lion Roars, and we wrote it with our teacher because we were, it was a bunch of us, a bunch of kids uh, had parents who were working in the theater, and we were homeschooled in the theater. And uh, yeah, so we, we put on our own play. After seeing our parents do it, we were like, we can do this. <laughs> and we did, and it took us across the world. And that was my first experience ever, you know, with uh, being a professional and, you know, being on stage and, you know, out of everybody in that group, I was the one that was like, this is what I want to do. Everybody else was like, I want to be a fireman. I want to be Superman. <laughs> I was like, I want to be an actor. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> You're performing in the Old Globe's revival mm -hmm. of Steve Martin's acclaimed comedy, Picasso at La Pana Gilles. The play takes place in Paris in mm -hmm. 1904 at a bar called La Pana Gilles where two egotistical geniuses, Pablo Picasso and Albert Einstein, engage in smart and amusing debates with one another and the regulars. You play Freddie, mm -hmm. uh, the owner and bartender of La Pana Gilles. 
What's it like to make the switch to live theater after your extensive work in television and film? And uh, what is it about this production, uh, an opportunity that spoke to you? Um, so the transition, first of all, this is something that I haven't done in a long time, is, the, is theater. And it scared the crap out of me. And because it scared the crap out of me, I was like, I have to do it. You know <laughs> what I mean? That's the first thing. The second thing that really drew me to this was the fact that Steve Martin wrote this play. Mm. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I'm a fan of Steve Martin. I've watched quite a few of his movies growing up. The Jerk, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, The Lonely Guy, you know, The Man with Two Brains. Mm. Uh, the list goes on. And uh, just to hear that he wrote a play, I thought this was a new play when I first heard about it. And they were like, no, he wrote this play 20 years ago wow. almost. And I was like, <laughs> well, and, and they're going to revive it? And they were like, yeah. I was like, I have to be a part of it. Um, and then I found out about the Globe, because I didn't know there was theater in California, really. I knew there was theater in California, but I didn't know, you know, I thought most shows start in, like, Nantucket to make their way to Broadway <laughs> and stuff like that. I didn't know that California had, like, a huge uh, theater scene, or San Diego, for that matter. And they expressed, you know, people, my agents and my managers told me how Bright Star started at the Globe, and then that made it to Broadway, and... You know, uh, a lot of shows started here that went to Broadway, the Full Monty, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so in hearing that, I was like, well, let me find out about the Globe. And it's a lot like the National Black Theater. You know <laughs> what I mean? More funding, obviously. <laughs> More, funding, More funding. But it's, a, you know, it's like the theater. It's for the community. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, built for the community of San Diego. And that's what the theater is. It's built, the National Black Theater was built for was the community in Harlem. And I was like, oh, this is, this, it's almost like being at home. Uh, and then I got here and I met Barry and uh, he's amazing. And you know, you look up his, where he came from and his background and you know, you really feel like there's a lot of pedigree. And so you're like, this is, this is actually the best place for me to be, especially if I wanna learn, you know what I mean? And grow as an actor. Um, and that's what I really wanted to do. And that's what drew me here, you know. Um, I hope this isn't my last show here. How about that? <laughs> I hope this is just one of many. I hope it's not the last show here. Mm -hmm. uh, Picasso at La Pana Gil explores the relationships between art and science, which might speak to your own interests as an avid fan of science fiction. Mm. Uh, in fact, your character on Scrubs, uh, Dr. Christopher Turk, is often credited with popularizing the term blurred, mm. uh, black nerd. Yes. Uh, this term has evolved to encompass black folks with all kinds of so-called nerdy or intellectual identities. Mm -hmm. And its popular embrace has sparked a great deal of discussion about stereotypes, fan culture, and what it means to be cool and black. What do you make of the rise of the blurred in popular culture and, and who are some of your favorite blurs? Neil deGrasse Tyson is the ultimate blurred. Um, it's my vote. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we did it, we were trying to, when we made up the term blurred, we were trying to be funny uh, and, and blend, you know, black and nerd. It just sounded like a funny word, blurred. Right. Uh, and and uh, I never thought that it would grow to uh, where it's at now. And part of me is like, well, you know, a nerd is a nerd. You don't have to be a blurred. You, you can be a nerd. You know right, what I mean? Right. Let's not 
let's not all of a sudden make this just a black thing. Uh, a black person can just be a nerd, you know right. what I mean? And, but, yeah, man, it works. It's, nerds are cool, you know what I mean? And it's been a while since nerds were looked at as cool. Uh, I've probably never looked at as cool. Certainly. You know, and we're now in a, in a, in a time where, you know, the smarter you are, the more educated you are, the more woke you are, we mm. should say, yes. uh, the better off you are. So if you want to call that being a blur, then so be it. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, yeah. And this is my time to, to, to formally declare myself as a blur. There right it is. Here. Right on. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, as part of their diligent efforts to make theater uh, more inclusive and more accessible to all communities, the Old Globe has emphasized race-neutral casting. Mm. Uh, you've been in show business for uh, a long time. Are you starting to see more race-neutral casting? And, and, and what are your thoughts you know, on the importance of getting more people of color on the spotlight, behind the scenes, and in the audiences? Truthfully, you don't see uh, casting like this. Uh, when I was younger, I, I, saw, I went and saw a Shakespeare play, and it was the first time where I saw where, a, a, and it wasn't Othello, and a black person was playing a brother to, I think it was like the Twelfth Night, and was playing the brother of a, of a white girl. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I remember I was, I was going to IS-44 at the time, and we were all sitting in the audience, uh, well, some of the drama department at IS-44 in New York City were sitting in the audience, and we didn't understand it. We couldn't get it. That's her, and we were loud, too, so <laughs> that's her brother? <laughs> right? And it wasn't until I started becoming, that I started to become an actor where I was like, wait a second, I could play that role regardless of who you think it's supposed to be. Give me the opportunity right. to do it, you know? Um, and you still don't see that often. You know, Whoopi Goldberg said once, you know, I don't look at scripts to find the role for the black woman. I look at scripts to find the role uh, that I think suits me or fits me, something right. like that. I don't want to, don't quote me on it because <laughs> I don't want to misrepresent what she said. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's important that we see stuff like this. I think it's important that people understand that, we're, that this, this is, you know, yeah, it's, it's fantasy and, and everything like that, but in fantasy, that doesn't mean reality has to freaking uh, come in and step on it. So right. that being said, if you can get past, and you should be able to get past it, if you can get past and just look at it as, while these performers are on stage delivering a message to me, you've come very far uh, as far as theater goers uh, go. I think it's important for the youth to see it and for people of color to see it because, you know, the last thing, the last thing you think of when walking into a theater where you see, you know, a bunch of white faces uh, is, oh, there's a place for me on that stage. That's the last thing you think of, you know what I mean? Well, I, I would like to be on the stage, but is there a place for me on that stage? And when, the first, and when a black person comes out and they're playing a role like Freddie, who is the proprietor of the La Panagile and was a white man uh, and French, and you see me walk out and do the role, automatically you're in a spot, if you're African-American, where you're like, I can relate to this person because of the color of my skin, first of all, right. first and foremost. 
Now, if that can, if that can trans, transition into the person sitting in the chair saying, oh, this is a place for me, mm. this is a place where I can go, then we've done our job, you know yeah. what I mean? And I think it's very important that we do that job. Um, you know, and it's, I think it's really awesome of the globe to cast in that direction and to cast that way. Um, it's not about race. It's not about, it's not about religion. It's about performance, and it's about delivering the message to the audience. Um, and I, I think it's beautiful. I think that's wonderful. That, that is beautiful. And, and, and the thing is, once, once the black actors are on the stage, if, like when you were young and you were watching that, uh, if you were to close your eyes while you're hearing the, the delivery of the... Of yeah, it would the, sound like gibberish. Because <laughs> well, I don't know Shakespeare. I don't know Shakespeare. Forsooth, I know not Shakespeare. Something like that, right? That's how they talk. That's, that's how exactly they talk. exactly how they talk. <laughs> In that tone and area. <laughs> I therefore shall not. Father! Wait, what? what? <laughs> I would love to learn Shakespeare, though. And, you know, I, I hear this is a place to learn that, so. I think you pull it off beautifully. I would try my hardest. How about that? <laughs> so that, that concludes your uh, audition for the next right. Shakespeare. Please. <laughs> and not Othello. <laughs> no, not Othello's Othello. a great piece. <laughs> uh, with your work in a memorable sports drama, Remember the Titans, being one notable exception, you've built your career and star persona around comedy. Uh, what are some of the unique and surprising challenges associated with working in a comedy genre? And, and do you believe that comedy is capable of being something more than just entertainment? Well, com I, I, it's very challenging to be uh, in the comedy genre. It's, uh, to, you know, you always have to be fresh when it's comedy. Uh, and it always has to be new when it's comedy, or at least feel new when it's comedy. Um, and that's difficult. That's a challenge for any comedian and, you know, for any comedic actor, for anyone who's, who said, you know what, comedy is my, is my shtick, it's my niche, uh, it's my niche, however you say it. For anyone who says that, it's very challenging. And, and those who do comedy know how challenging it yes. is, just to keep it fresh. I feel comedy is what heals, I think that's, I think that heals, you know, um, I think, it's, I think it's the most healing art form uh, because you could feel some type of way and someone can make you laugh and for that brief moment while you're laughing, you're no longer feeling some type of way. Exactly. You know what I mean? And I think, I think that's important. I think laughter is important. And I think that's why I'm so drawn to comedy. It's not just about, it's not just about me saying something uh, to get a laugh for myself. It's also saying something to make it so the people around uh, laugh and enjoy themselves. Because mm -hmm. I get a kick, obviously, I get a kick out of somebody <laughs> laughing at me. That's the, best, that's the best feeling ever. To tell a joke and someone laugh, I could do that all day. I could do it all day. But to tell a joke and for someone to laugh and appreciate the laughter that they're having at that moment is way more gratifying. Beautiful. Preach, brother. No, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, you played a surgeon on the TV series uh, Scrubs for nine seasons. 
And although the show ended in 2010, you're still using your fame as a TV doctor hmm. to make a positive impact on people's lives. Mm -hmm. You're part of a multi-generational cast of famous TV doctors, including Alan Alda and Patrick Dempsey, uh, who appeared in a recent Cigna campaign promoting health and wellness. What's the message you're trying to get out there? Uh, and, and why is this campaign important to you? Well, the message we're trying to get out there is that everybody needs to learn their four numbers. BMI, blood pressure, blood sugar, and cholesterol, right? That's the message of the campaign. What drew me to it was, you know, we as African Americans don't necessarily go to the doctor mm. until something is really, 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 <laughs> really wrong, right? Because we don't want to know what's going on, or we have some negative stigma that comes with the hospital or how a doctor speaks to us. And what drew me to it was saying, I wanted to tell all the, all the people out there, uh, black people in general, that look, you know, we have insurance now. You have insurance now. Use it. Mm. Yes. You know, um, you can catch something early and then it's probably, uh, you have better chance, a better chance of curing if you catch it early. Um, and we don't do that. We wait and we wait and we wait and we wait and then all of a sudden something goes wrong and then we decide to go. And that's not going to keep you alive for a long time. <laughs> you know, true it's nature, not nurture, right? But I think it's very important for uh, young black men and women to get out and get all of their stuff checked because we're known to have high cholesterol. We're known to have high blood pressure. Um, and, I, you know, that's, that's what drew me to it. Uh, Cigna, Cigna, you know, when, when doing the campaign and someone asked me that question, I steered away from it. And they were like, no, we want you to get into that question. Uh, get into okay. that. Don't just make it, yeah, it's about everybody. Yeah, we are, this campaign is for everybody. But if we can, if we can, you know, if, and I don't want to misspeak, uh, but if we can bring people in that would never do this, that's important to us too. So right. um, that's what drew me to the campaign. The campaign is not just for, uh, in my mind, it's not just for, it's not just for the people who actually watch the commercial and say, oh, that's really funny. It's for the people who haven't seen the commercial mm -hmm. and stuff like that to get out there, get checked, know their health, uh, and move on from there. Yeah. That, my friends, is a beautiful use of celebrity. In addition to your work as a film, television, stage, and voice actor, you also produced your own Lego-based stop-motion animation series called Black Stormtrooper, a Star Wars tribute that has become a YouTube sensation. Thank you. How did your interest in stop-motion animation first come about, and how has it evolved? So my mother put me in a stop-motion program uh, in elementary school. It was an after-school program. Mm. And, you know, it was a Super 8 camera, and we played with toys in front of the camera, uh, click by click, frame by frame. And I was like, this is awesome. I love playing with toys. And I, one of my favorite movies of all time was The Empire Strikes Back. And there was a scene with the AT-AT walkers walking, mm -hmm. And I thought that was amazing, and I wanted to know how they did, did it. I remember uh, when I was, 
I guess 14, my mom was like, what do you want for your birthday? And I was like, I want a blue screen. And she's like, mm. where do I find a blue screen? <laughs> and it was all because of Star Wars. And then uh, one of my best friends in the industry is Seth Green, who is a, uh, he's a he owns a studio pretty much, a stop motion studio. Uh, they produce shows like Robot Chicken and uh, Supermansion. And they've done other things, but those are their two main things right now, main shows right now. And, you know, he had, he was just starting with Robot Chicken at the time. And I was like, listen, I'm really into this stop motion thing mm. that you're doing. I think this is amazing. What is, you know, I, I did it a little bit as a kid. Uh, I would love to start up again now. It's, a, it's something that has always stuck with me. And he said, uh, well, why don't you come an intern? Mm. And I was like, what? He's like, why don't you come down an intern? I was like, yeah, absolutely. You're going to give me a job that quick? He was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I didn't know that interning meant you don't get paid. <laughs> there you go. I thought I had a job. <laughs> and so on Thursday when everybody was getting their paycheck and I didn't get mine and I was, I was what's going on here? I waited the two weeks, what's going on here? He was like, no, that's what interning is. And I said, oh. <laughs> and I stayed around for about six more months. There you go. And, uh, you know, made friends. Uh, my animation teacher, my stop motion animation teacher is a brother by the name of Musay Brooker. Mm. He's, uh, you know, there aren't a lot of brothers out there that do stop motion. Right, right. Uh, but he's the, one that, he's the one that teaches me. And yeah, it's, you know, it's evolved. It started off where he would look at the stuff I did. And he was like, it's good. I mean, it, it's interesting. <laughs> I get your story. It's interesting. <laughs> To now where he's like, that's great, awesome. <laughs> wow, you did this, yes. Now that so. Keisha, she's a firecracker. Keisha <laughs> is a firecracker, Keisha's my wife. Okay, so, <laughs> my wife does the voice of Keisha. Oh, really? <laughs> Keisha the Jedi, the crazy oh, yeah. girlfriend of Jamal. <laughs> Jamal. Yeah, Jamal the other black Jedi other than Mace Windu. <laughs> Sam Jackson. Anyway, yeah. It's beautiful stuff. Thank you. It's it's a little it's a little out there, but uh, uh, eventually I hope to turn it into something that is uh, that people will enjoy. All right. Uh, what else do you hope to accomplish uh, in your career? And where should where should we look for you in 2017? Wow. Well, I'll be at the Globe throughout. <laughs> there you, you go. Know, <laughs> I'll be at the Globe for until. Uh, March, mid-March, so you can come check me out here. Um, and then, you know, I came to learn, and I'm learning so much. And hopefully when, I'm, when the show is done here, I can take that into, uh, take what I've learned here and take that into my career mm. uh, and apply it. I'm very grateful for this place for thinking about me. I'm grateful for Steve Martin and Barry for thinking about me, you know, and wanting me to be in this show. Um, because that's what I'm doing. I'm learning every day. I learn from Hal. I learn from Justin. I learn from Kevin. I learn from Marcel. I learn from Luna, from Lisa, from Ronnie. And I learn from Barry. And so, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm very grateful that, uh, that the Globe wanted me. Because I didn't audition for this. Wow. They offered it to me. And so it makes me feel, I mean, it's a Steve Martin play. So the fact that Steve Martin was like, yeah, let's, let's get down with FaceTime. <laughs> it's accomplishment. 
says quite a bit about your talent. Well, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not going to say that, but it's an accomplishment for me. It's, it's a big deal for yes. me. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so very much thank for you very coming much. by here at the Theater Corner. Thank you. Picasso at the Lapin Agile. Lapin. Lapin Agile. <laughs> the Lapin Agile. <laughs>